0: Welcome back to Lunch Logic. This is Luke. This is Devin. Today we're going to talk about the laws of nature. But before we begin, uh, I want to point out the term laws of nature because I think this really shows how much role language plays into our thought processes because when we say laws of nature, we often subcon- at least at least subconsciously associate them with Uh, governmental laws right yeah obviously governmental laws are invented and and you know they're changeable so i think before we even start thinking about the essence of the laws of nature we sort of get uh distracted by it if that makes sense
1: yeah um as, as in as in like distracted by the wording you mean yeah. yeah right so so like by using the word uh laws or law um we get to get get um directed down this path um uh, immediately like you know before we can even answer the the question objectively right yes
0: yes yeah. um i mean which may be true but you know some people don't necessarily believe that the laws were quote unquote invented or engineered and that they have to be that way um so yeah let's talk about you know where they come from where do those quote laws of nature come from um this is a very difficult question but so a few days ago i was re-listening to one of our last episodes um episode 35 uh paradoxes and the unreasonable effectiveness of logic and mathematics and devin i don't know if you remember but i gave you an example of this perfect pinocchio
1: yeah i do remember yeah
0: yeah but i'll just i'll just phrase it again for listeners um so suppose that there is a perfect pinocchio and that whenever he's not telling the truth his nose grows so this is different from a standard pinocchio because a sander pinocchio he's he has to lie for his nose to grow but mm. so it's, it's a different assumption it's like whenever he's not telling the truth he's his nose grows okay okay yeah so if you have that assumption then that perfect pinocchio can't say something like i am lying right now right because if he hits, if he is telling the truth, then that means he's lying. And if he's not telling the truth, then that means he's not lying. So a paradox occurs. Yeah. So if you say that Pinocchio, that perfect Pinocchio is a universe, then a paradoxical statement such as I am lying right now is one of the laws of that perfect Pinocchio.
2: Hmm.
0: Because paradox occurs if he says something like "I am lying," right, I am lying right now. Does that make sense?
1: You explain that a little bit more as as like like, what does that mean? That that's one of the laws.
0: Well, well, I mean, like he can say any other paradoxical statement. Or excuse me, he cannot say any other paradoxical paradoxical statements. You know, I gave you an example of saying like, "I if if the, the Pinocchio says I am lying right now, then a paradox occurs." So his nose i mean it it it's it, it's just not possible like if you if you consider that pinocchio to be a universe that would be one of the laws does that make sense
1: um i think you need to explain a little bit more like like what is this what is this uh, uh um like pinocchio is now a universe and what is that how does that change things
0: okay um well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I, this isn't something something that I necessarily strongly believe in. It's just something that I'm kind of hypothesizing on. Um, but well, I'll give you an ex- another example, because I guess what I'm trying to demonstrate is that the laws of nature don't have to be necessarily engineered or constructed by someone like governmental laws, but that they have to occur. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, episode sixty. Are empirical truths just logical truths? You know, this mm-hmm. is something that it's an idea that I mentioned um a few months ago. But I'll give you another example um of why paradoxes might give rise to the laws of nature. So Aristotle, you know, an ancient Greek philosopher, believed that you know all um you know all objects with uh, different masses a fall at a different rate, right? So if, if you have something heavier, it falls quicker. And if you have something light, then doesn't fall as quick. And you know, you might think that's true, just using your everyday intuition. But you know, there's like a famous story of Galileo just getting on top of uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And mm-hmm. he said to have dropped like uh, uh, two spheres of the same volume, but different masses. Mm-hmm. right? And then he demonstrated that, oh, oh, wow, they do fall at the same rate. Um, but there's actually a way to prove that uh, experiment without without an experiment or even math. You can actually prove that all objects with different masses fall at the same rate using logic and thinking only. And you do that... Uh, So here, I'll just I'll just say it. So if you have an object A and an object B and you assume that an object B is heavier, right, Mm -hmm. then let's let's assume that uh, heavier objects fall quicker than um, uh, lighter objects. So this is what Aristotle said. Um, Then if you drop A and B, B should fall quicker, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's heavier. Now, let's have let's tie A and B together with a string. Okay, so then now this A and B tied together is heavier than both A and B, right? And if you drop A and B, A acts as a drag force to B because A is lighter, so it doesn't Mm -hmm. fall as quicker, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were to drop B and A and B tied together at the same time, B would fall quicker because A and B tied together as a drag force because of A. Mm. Now we have a paradox where A and B is heavier, but it doesn't fall as quicker, right? exactly so it's a paradox proof by contradiction and therefore all objects fall at the same rate and you can do that do the same thing by assuming that you know uh heavier objects fall slower you know i mean no one believes that but you can still do the same follow the same logical processes and find a paradox and come to a conclusion that all objects fall at the same gravitational rate
1: yeah yeah
0: so that i mean first of all that's very fascinating isn't it yeah yeah um but one thing that i want to mention is You see, I think what we just did is, you know, we just derive one of the laws of nature by going through these logical processes. And just imagine if... I mean, that's one of the, quote, laws of nature, isn't it? Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to say is if the universe doesn't follow those logical processes paradox paradox would occur just like the perfect pinocchio example right right so i think the real question we should be asking is why does the universe follow logic at all
1: yeah i mean that 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 is the more fundamental question for sure um our our i I mean as 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 From what we understand um, logic to be, um, you know, logic is a fundamental characteristic of the universe. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very interesting um, because, you know, us as uh, as as conscious beings, like we use logic, um, right. We have this idea of of, of logic, um, but are we allowed to say that that logic exists um, outside of consciousness? You know, like, like if life didn't exist, would logic exist? Um, you know, because, because, because huh. logic is uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's used as a tool for us as humans. Um, but we also have ascribed it to how the universe functions. Right. Right um which sort of means that we defined um what is and is not a paradox you know what i mean
0: well define i mean they would be true regardless of how we define them right what do you what do you mean define
1: well if if logic if logic is um the tool that we use to understand the universe right Then everything in the universe must be logical. Okay. Which means that um, everything that is and uh, or everything that is not a paradox is logical to humans, right? Mm -hmm. But that's just to humans. You know, we can only say what logic is um, to humans, right? We can't say for sure that logic is something that exists um without humans and without consciousness and that uh paradoxes or what we what we consider to be paradoxes um you know can't exist mm. because of how we define and how we created logic. Huh wait so so
0: what are your thoughts on because I remember um on episode sixty three mystery of existence we were talking about uh self-existent candidates for self-existent things and one of them was logic yeah well do do you believe what well, i don't what does it what does it mean for something to exist but well i guess that's a whole other topic <laughs> but i mean do, do you think logic could be self-existing
1: sure it could but um we can't say that right because because as far as we are able to use um logic you know like it's 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 a tool that we made you know so like we if there is some some um higher form of logic that us humans are able to sort of grasp at with our logic and maybe like you know be equal to with our logic um we'll never be able to say that that exists for sure without us right because every sort of like like the ability to be able to say anything requires human logic right Mm -hmm. um you you can't as a human um use that higher form of knowledge of of logic right because uh you're human
0: Mm. so are you saying that we have like a uh like we haven't reached certain this level of like higher logic per se?
1: Well not haven't we can't. Oh. Or or, or we can. Sorry, I that was incorrect. We can, but we can never know if we have or haven't.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean would you agree?
0: Mm, I feel like I don't really know if I can answer this question because I'm not like I don't know i I just want to be careful because I'm not really educated in logic and like the philosophy of logic, obviously, we're just kind of hypothesizing,
1: sure, but you know that's why we're talking right <laughs> yeah I mean let me um let me just ask like like um do you think humans use logic yes okay so we have this ground level of understanding right mm-hmm. okay now do you think um do you think that uh humans use logic to understand the universe yes okay um now do you think humans um Say, uh, hmm. do you think understanding the universe requires logic? Definitely. Okay. So any conscious being, human or not, um, trying to understand the universe would need some form of logic to understand it, right? Yes. Okay. Now, how would one get that form of logic um
0: well i think that conscious being needs to have some sort of a biological capability to think abstractly and follow a line of reasoning that requires logical thinking and intelligence
1: but what is a line of
0: reasoning um well i guess i mean like all this I mean, you set up, for example, you know, like in mathematics, you start with a set of axioms. You accept them as true. And then you see, oh, if this is true, this must be also true. And mm-hmm. you follow this, you know, line of reasoning and you come up with a conclusion with with some sort of truth that was derived from that set of axioms.
1: Right. So from the axioms, we say that one thing must be true and therefore these other things must be true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um now these uh, uh um like like how we how we well first of all obviously like a big problem could be with the axioms um but focusing on how we say um that this thing is true because we know that this other thing is true um that how, how like like how how do uh us as humans get to like, how are we able to do that? It's from, um, our logic right in our brains. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Which means, you know, like, like it's not, it's not, um, um, it, and like the logic within our brains, the reasoning, the thought processes in our brains, um, is like, Tied, uh can't be separated from our humanity, from our experiences as humans, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which means any sort of form of logic, any line of reasoning that we use is strictly human. Or at least fu- fundamentally, not strictly, but fundamentally.
0: Mm, I don't exactly get that. Why, why are you associating... Maybe I'm not understanding it. Why are you associating logic with like our way of understanding it?
1: Any any form of understanding that we come to has to be from our idea of logic, right? Our idea of what is logical.
0: Yeah, but when you say our, it kind of, uh, are you saying that it could be
1: different? Yeah. Because because what well, what what is our Um, understanding what is like what do we think of as logical or as reasonable it's what makes sense given our experience
0: well I mean I feel like I mean wouldn't logic be one of those things that's sort of universal
1: it could be but but like us as humans Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily okay you know Hmm. I mean that's the whole thing with like subjectivity you know some some like when you ask somebody um a certain question they might like what seems logical to them is illogical to a different person
0: well oh, i see where you're coming from uh i guess my logic my understanding of logic was like
1: um just like on a more fundamental level like um i don't know. I, I, I get that but like for humans we are not at that fundamental level we we are um you know like we can't be separated from the fact that um we're we're conscious beings with fallible senses right Mm -hmm. and and um you know sometimes inaccurate experiences yeah i see what you mean yeah okay that's not saying that we we like our answer can't be the same as some universal answer but we can't know for sure because you know we have um sensory uh you know malfunctions and stuff interesting
0: interesting okay um yeah we could definitely talk about that on another episode for sure because i feel like it's it's an interesting topic like how we come to acquire that ability and whether it's universal and whether it's self existing um but yeah definitely um let's go back to uh paradoxes and let's talk about like for example um you know we we understand that nothing with mass can travel faster than the speed of light you know and you might ask well why not i mean you can certainly imagine something with mass you know traveling faster than the speed of light you can imagine it um however if like you know this hypothesis of you know, laws of nature come from the fact that it will come to prevent paradoxes. Then that means if you if something with mass travels faster than the speed of light, a, a paradox occurs. Um, and that's something that's very hard to imagine, because, I mean, how would a paradox occur by something moving faster than the speed of light? But I think that could be like, I think it just could be that uh, we don't understand the inner mechanisms of the universe. So we don't exactly understand the logical line of reasoning, how something with mass traveling faster than the speed of light uh, causes some sort of paradox. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not as obvious as this perfect Pinocchio example or, you know, uh, objects falling at the same rate. However, a lot of these more complex and more uh, deep laws of nature although they seem imaginable but if you look at the inner mechanisms they can't be disobeyed because of paradoxes
1: hmm. what are your thoughts um i th- yeah i think this is um sort of tied to the um like what i was just talking about with like um experiencing it like 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 the pinocchio example well first of all it's like a relatively simple, uh, example, you know, like it's, it's like most people can understand the concept. Yeah. Um, but when we, when we're talking about things that aren't, um, as, as prevalent or tied to our everyday lives, such as the speed of light and how mass moves around the speed of light and how, um, you know, like, like the, 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 barriers that, that comes with, um, you know, that that stuff is like we don't have a lot of experience with it, you know, every day. It's harder to think about that stuff, right?
0: I see. Hmm. For sure. You know, speaking of um the speed of light, uh, I want to talk more about like constants and laws. And I mean, we had like a several episodes on the laws of nature on launch logic, uh, one of them being how many laws exist, right? Mm-hmm and i think this is such a fascinating question because again like when we say laws we associate them with governmental laws so we subconsciously think that oh we we can probably count them um but maybe they're not countable and or i mean let's say supposedly they exist in some platonic world okay and you have like rule number one and rule number two and so on um I mean, do you think I mean I think this is something that we talked about on uh why is reality understandable part two, where you know, it would be absurd if the number of laws is like some random number, some random finite number instead of it being like zero, one, or infinity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I I still pretty much agree with that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, it's well actually i don't i don't i don't think i agree with zero anymore um because um well see see i went on that whole little like tangent about um human logic versus universal logic right which sort of suggests that that like human logic is not as uh concrete as universal logic um and you know Given that and given that uh, that like using human logic. We we see a universe without paradoxes, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's me using my human logic to to um, to say like the universe doesn't have paradoxes. Um, That would also lead me to the conclusion that the universe can't have zero laws because stuff is consistent. right? Because, because, um, there's, there's, uh, like it's not complete randomness, like, like a universe with zero laws would be, right?
0: Uh, I see what you mean. So if you say, like, if there are no laws, then like anything is possible. Is that what you're saying? Which isn't obviously possible.
1: Right. Okay. Um, but again, that's using human logic, not, necessarily universal logic but still
0: okay. okay so the thing about again this just keeps going back to how we frame the word laws of nature but if you say that instead of instead of saying that there are zero laws of nature i feel like a better way to put it is that the universe doesn't follow logic at all sure Because it's not like, hmm, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like those laws don't exist. I don't think that's the right way to put it. It's anything is possible. Maybe not. I I should frame it as paradoxes don't matter. (laughs) Right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that would be well first of all it'd be absurd but i don't know if it would be possible because how are how, how would paradoxes occur in the
1: physical world you know hmm. well yeah how is how is a different question than like is it possible um i i like in a world where it is random you yeah. can't really answer how because it's random you know like trying to use logic trying to ask questions and get logical answers in a world that exists without logic is, you know, impossible.
0: Oh, sounds like the society we're living in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go back to, um, the laws of nature. And I want to talk more about, um, I want to talk more about constants because, uh, well, they're definitely related. Um, but well, let me ask you this. How many constants do you think exist?
1: Um so I think my thoughts on this are this similar, if not the same, to how many laws exist? Yeah. Yeah. I mean they're I definitely zero. zero. I think it's either one or infinity. And any number between one and infinity is like what you know just like oh that's weird mm. you know? true um
0: no i understand where you're coming from um you know constants are very interesting because um how do i how do i frame this so well, we have mathematical constants and we have physical constants right yeah now the biggest difference between um i guess mathematical and physical constants is that mathematical mathematical constants are dimensionless but physical constants are not. They have dimensions. Um, they're like something times meters, kilogram, whatever. So those are affected by the units that we define as. Right. right? So right. we shouldn't, this is something that I've mentioned too. Like <clears throat> we shouldn't uh, focus, like when it comes to physical constants, we shouldn't focus on the numbers because they're affected by the units that we define as. So we should focus on what they mean, where they come from, and like the uh I mean I guess there are like d- dimensionless physical constants such as like proton to electron mass ratio and and fine structure constants but
1: uh well, I guess so, sure, yeah,
0: yeah, but like just everyday physical constants such as like the speed of light or like planck's Planck's length planck's constant um you know we shouldn't foc- we shouldn't get focused on what like the digits they're composed of does that make sense
1: yeah 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 right and you're saying this because of like the arbitrary way in which we define units yeah so like like distance um what we use is like a meter which is you know like there's no reason why the meter should necessarily be
0: that long a
1: universal <laughs> standard right it's just like that's what we just say because we need to measure distance somehow exactly right so like the actual number you know whether it's like like three or like some crazy complicated yeah yeah, rational number that that you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be neat Mm -hmm.
0: yeah exactly um so yeah i guess that's the biggest difference between mathematical and physical constants because um Well, I think so on episode 38, how many laws exist? We talked about I briefly mentioned, like, what's the relationship between mathematical and physical constants, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. How are they related? Um, Well, let's let's talk about whether mathematical constants are related. I mean, let's look at like pi e square root of two golden ratio. Are those constants related? And the question that might arise from that is. What do you mean by related? Mm. Uh, Because, I mean, you can argue that, um, you know, uh, like pi and E are related because E is exactly, you know, like, or excuse me, pi is exactly pi minus E greater than E, you know, which doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't contain any information because you're just, you know,
1: just circular.
0: Yeah, it's circular. Right. Um, But actually, there is a way to um, connect these different mathematical constants. Um, Well, for example, pi is, you know, the integral of e to the power of negative x squared from negative infinity to infinity squared. Right. And I mean, that should come as a surprise to you because, I mean, you have this nice function e to the power of negative x squared and if you integrate that from negative infinity to infinity you get square root of pi you know and you might think oh what does that graph have to do with uh, a circle a pi but somehow they are related yeah and you can find these relationships between mathematical constants anywhere for example you know like uh integral of cosine x over x squared plus 1 from negative infinity to infinity I believe, is pi divided by E. Hmm. It's like there's a ratio, there's a function or the integral within that function gives you the ratio between pi and E. Yeah. Um, Which is fascinating. Or in my opinion, I think it's very fascinating.
1: I think it is too. But I'm also not ignorant to the thought that maybe that's just um, possible for sort of like any and every constant. You know what I mean, like uh-huh. like, or it, like it doesn't even have to be um, like a a a common one like e or pi. Like it could be, I mean, like one that we just haven't even discovered yet. There could be some, um, you know, sort of translational technique, like an integral of this function to from these with these bounds, you know, to get to a different constant,
2: mm. right?
1: You know, that could I I I I mean, I think it I think it is fascinating that it, that we can perform this translation, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not necessarily convinced that um that um you know that's specific or 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 uh you know uh um, exclusive to like these um these very popularly used and 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 um fundamental I guess more fundamental constants like e or pi right
0: I think I understand <clears throat> where you come from but I guess I guess if you think about the the essence of, like, irrational numbers, e and pi, you know, they have infinite number of digits, and then you have this very nice equation such as e to the power of negative x squared or cosine of x divided by x squared plus one, yeah. and you integrate that, not just, like, in some random boundary regions, but, like, from negative infinity to infinity, and it just perfectly matches pi over e or square root of pi.
1: That is a good point, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know, like, like, the with the it's likely that we haven't discovered all of these mathematical constants right
0: no i mean i'm sure there are because i mean what do you consider as constants because i mean if you say right. like i mean if you say like square root of 2 is one of the constants yeah or square root of any natural number I mean there are an infinite amount of numbers so you can argue that there are an infinite amount of constants but you know right. when you when, when I mean by constants you know most people think of like like the universal the popular ones just pi e golden ratio right yeah um,
1: but yeah i mean I, I guess i guess like what would these constants have um in common that you know like just like integers uh don't necessarily have in common with each other is like they they're derived from some sort of um relationship, whether it's like geometrical, or like like pi between um 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 circumference and uh, diameter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like you know that that that's a special relationship that uh you know like like two integers don't have, you know what I mean? Um, and I guess like like. For your argument, you know, um, the 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 constants that do come about from these special relationships, uh, you know, like like they're special because they come from the special relationships. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess that 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 puts them on a little bit of a pedestal.
0: Hmm. I see.
1: Hmm
0: for sure um but it kind of gets different when the conversation conversation goes to uh the relationship between mathematical and physical constants because again physical constants you shouldn't focus on the numbers right yeah um <clears throat> well let's try to think of how to represent the the idea of a physical constant such as like the speed of light right speed of light so you require some sort of length divided by some sort of time, right? Yeah. We define how long uh, a meter is and, and how long a second is. Um, so these are affected by our definitions. Um, I mean, it would be nice if there was like a, uh, like a universal, uh, like a uh, definition for length and for time and for mass. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know? Um, yeah. But I mean, like aesthetically sure Uh but you know logically like you said the number doesn't matter Mm. or the fact that there is a number right true yeah
0: yeah um well let's dive a little deeper into the essence of laws because you know i think uh, science is so fascinating or this world is so fascinating in a way that you can just keep questioning why. Um, Like you can always, I mean, even if the answer doesn't exist, you can still question why. Mm -hmm. You know, you can ask, well, why does an apple fall? Oh, that's because of gravity. That's because of the inverse square law. Well, why does that exist? So that's because of the geometry of space-time. Well, why does that exist? Well, that's because mass and energy uh, curve space-time. Well, why does mass and energy curve space-time? And you can just keep going on and on and on and on and maybe you come down to this fundamental question where i don't even know if that exists like do you think we can just keep questioning why like do you think there's like an infinite number of steps
1: uh, yeah i've thought about this a lot too um do you remember our episode that's just titled why i believe it was titled what happens when we keep questioning why yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And we, we, uh, well, we like sort of like keep questioning why. Yeah. The answer that we, um, talked about was like, oh, well, obviously like that question will just lead you to eventually after however many steps, depending on where you started to the question of why is there anything at all? Right. Why is, mm-hmm. why are we here? Why, why, um, why is existence possible? Right. The I think
0: that's point. yeah, that's something that like Jason mentioned as well on episode sixty three yeah, yeah yeah, um but like the the question of why is very tricky because there's not one answer for the why of something necessarily, very true, it just diverges into these different branches of causes right, yeah, oh.
1: and not only that like like you can um like. By asking why you can uh like that leads you down a rabbit hole of asking more whys, sure. But mm-hmm. like also, um there's multiple ways of like framing things to where there's multiple correct answers to the question.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so I don't know if that makes the question less valid. Mm-hmm. Uh but You know, it definitely is like a very, very open-ended sort of question, right? Hmm.
0: Well, what do you think? I guess we can use our intuition here, but let let, let me just ask you a question just for fun. I mean, do you think, what do you think is more reasonable? Like the fact that we can just infinitely ask why to these natural phenomena or that they stop at
1: this one point? I... I'm not sure anymore. (laughs) Uh, Um. I, I, I don't know. This, this question itself is very like, it's very tricky. Um, I mean, I'm sure like, I'd be very interested in to, to hearing like the answers that other people have, uh, to this question. I think this is something that, um, you know, when we have more guests on in the future that we should probably try to discuss with them because it requires a lot of brain power, you know, to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure like I'll go back and forth on my answer for, I don't know, maybe my whole life, but um, right Mm now, I don't know. I think, I think some, some, a part of me just, like, can't imagine it going on forever and ever and ever and ever. But then there's also a part of me that can't imagine it stopping. Um, <laughs> You know, like, just the nature of the question is so peculiar, right? Which one do you wish was true? <laughs> well... See, I, I, I want um to get to
2: <clears throat>
1: I guess like like truth, you know, like that's I like truth, you know. We're we like philosophy, we like truth. Um which which you know means that like like if we were to get to some stopping point, you know, that would be helpful, right? But I also like questioning, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one I like more, to be honest. Uh, I can't even answer that.
0: (laughs) This goes back to um, like episode four and 46, Life After Truth. Yeah. Um, We've probably talked about this many times and I've thought about this for a while. Like what happens if we figure out everything? And maybe it'd be nice if we could just keep questioning why and that it just never stops. Um, Yeah. It's just hard to imagine like, like infinite amount of steps to understand why an apple falls to understand why an apple falls. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, it's very absurd. Um, yeah.
1: No, I think, I think the question um that we posed in life after truth is very uh sort of important question because, you know, like, like our existence and I think probably existence in general is tied to this questioning. Um, um, for some things, it might not necessarily be like why I'm here or whatever, but like like for humans, a lot of humans, and especially people like us, um, looking for answers to the mystery of existence, right? you know like that's very tied to our being you know and so if we were ever to find out an answer you know our who we are is is fundamentally altered right because we now long we we no longer have access to that part of our our um uh, you know of our being that part of like that 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 um appetite i guess for for truth
2: hmm. nice.
1: so I mean, I guess it's not necessarily applicable, hmm. uh, uh, you know, like 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 thinking about life after truth, but um, I think it still is valuable, right? And just fascinating in general, you know. Well, That's do uh, do you think that 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 existence is tied to? questioning you know sort of like in this uh in this way
0: i feel like that kind of implies that there's a purpose and that we have to do something like are you saying
1: like well i mean not necessarily like purpose but just like want maybe even need
2: uh
1: you know like like can there be
0: hmm so this goes back to like the question or the episodes we had. We actually had two episodes on this. Why is reality understandable? Yeah. Um, how is questioning you know allowing us to f- actually find the mechanisms of the universe and and allowing us to enhance our existences. Um That's a great question. I I can't tell you. Um Well regardless I would you see like the i i really don't know
1: yeah i mean so if we look at like sort of the the different ends of the spectrum of existence um and like like if we take like a like a single cell organism for example yeah would we be comfortable saying that that single cell organism questions
0: I, it's not capable of questioning.
1: Right. Well, okay. Are we thinking of the single cell organism as being conscious?
0: Um, even if they are conscious, their consciousness
1: level would be extremely low. Well, yeah, sure. But but okay, if you have consciousness at all. Um, that's, that's, that's the sort of existence that I'm talking about. Like, um, the existence of a conscious being is that tied to questioning, you know, like, like, is there an organism that is conscious, you know, whether it's small, small levels of consciousness or large, um, you know, that is, that, um, doesn't question or is even incapable.
0: Wait, so which question?
1: So, like, like, is it possible for like, if we say if we say that um, bacteria has consciousness, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, is it possible for that bacteria to not question at all anything? Yes. You think so? I think so. Well,
0: why? Well, not capable as in like it doesn't or it's not able to.
1: Sorry. Yeah. Is not uh, a dozen, dozen.
0: doesn't. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can just go about following your instincts and well, I mean, so, you, so your question comes down to, is it possible to exist, anything with consciousness exist without questioning? Yeah. I mean, I feel like even some humans do that.
1: That's what it might seem like, but like like in i you bring up a good point in instinct, right, yeah, but can't we have conflicting instincts like can't we have um contradictions you know within us i mean any 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 at any point when there's a uh uh um a choice between two things you um Like you to, to make a decision, you first have to pose the question. And even if your instincts lead you towards one way or the other, it's still just an answer to the question. No.
0: Oh, I see. That's, that's interesting. But I feel like if you go really low or if if you go to this low consciousness level, such as a bacteria, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I should be more educated on this topic because I don't really know what it would like to be a bacteria but yeah <laughs> uh, you wouldn't even question it would you like you would just do things sorry say that say it again like you wouldn't even question it you wouldn't even have the opportunity to question it it's so yeah i think it's kind of going far as to relating the essence of existence with questioning
1: i mean maybe I, I kind of feel like like you can't exist like consciousness can't exist without Questioning at some level or another. Hmm. I don't know. Working theory, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. Um,
0: well, let's go back to like this questioning of why and say, let's say supposedly, you know, we can ask why an infinite amount of time. So there's like an infinite causes to uh, to explain this phenomenon of why an apple falls. Does that mean there's like an infinite
1: number of laws? Yeah, no, I think I think um that it is still uh either between one or infinity. Um do you want me to explain why I think it might be one? So Sure, please. So even if um, asking why can lead to this like exponential sort of questioning. Um, I think like, 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 um, like we had the conversation uh, before about, about, um, you know, do you reach a a stopping point or does it go on forever? Um, You know, like, like if you do reach that stopping point, then, you know, it's possible that that um, one answer will explain all. Yeah, like the theory of everything. Exactly. Mm. Um, and and. Um, well, I guess was was your question like. If we if we can't reach a stopping point, if it just keeps going on and on and on we must have infinite laws right yeah if it's just if you can just explain the cause of the cause of the cause forever i see um yeah that is different yeah so the the question then then the questions are very tied together in my mind like like if um so if we have one theory of everything then questioning why over and over and over will eventually reach a stopping point to which the theory of everything can explain everything as it's you know supposed to do. Um, now if we have infinite laws, then there is infinite um, you know you can keep questioning why an infinite amount of times and end up with an infinite uh, amount of questions, right that each are explained by the infinite amount of laws. Say that again. So, so, okay. So there's two paths that are possible. It's either um, asking why will lead you to the same question, which can be explained by the theory of everything or asking why will lead you to an infinite number of questions, which can be explained by the infinite number of laws. Okay. <laughs> now I think we should talk about that second path, the, in- the infinite path. Um, mm-hmm. If, we were to if we were able to uh um if we were able to 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 ask why over and over and over an infinite amount of times um there is no end right no which means um uh, there is no Mm. i think just i'm thinking about infinity is confusing me um because well like you know according to my human logic infinity is impossible uh so yeah i don't know i think i think Yeah, I don't even i I don't even know it's just so much simpler to say that everything can be explained by one thing
0: um it would be very nice indeed
1: yeah hmm.
0: but also that kind of implies that the research might stop
1: true, which is very unlikely in our eyes right yeah Ugh. it's like it's almost we have like a choice between two paradoxes, right? Uh Uh, And so, you know, my human logic is failing me. (laughs) This might be a very good uh, example to my point of like, like human logic is not necessarily universal logic because now I've come to um, a place where human logic can not answer something right because because i see i view two i view both possible answers as paradoxes right mm-hmm. whereas in the universal logic they might not be paradoxes mm. um and therefore you know one one of them can be the explanation um but yeah interesting yeah
0: mm. um going back to uh Mathematical and physical constants. I want to focus on the laws now, laws of mathematics or laws of physics. Um, so this is something that I've been thinking about for a while, which is, you know, how do we derive the laws of mathematics and physics? So let's look at, um, I mean, let's look at like you know, like the Pythagorean theorem or calculus. You know, we observe an object such as a right triangle or a motion of a planet. We want to describe that using the language of logic and mathematics. So we come up with a square plus b square equals c square and the laws of calculus, right? Yeah. So I have, I have an interesting thought experiment, um, which is, uh, so I'm going to explain this. So let's say, uh, hypothetically, we have a, a genius blind mathematician uh, who was born blind. Um, and we're assuming that this guy's a genius, so he can think of basically anything. He could do any type of mental calculations, right? Um, you know that actually just reminds me of the mathematician Leonard Euler, hmm. his latest ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, my question to you is: Is it possible for that blind mathematician to, for example? derive maxwell's equations why not well because if you look at the history of maxwell's equations um you know the history is basically like a science i mean there were many scientists but for example like faraday's law you know michael faraday um this is something that i'm learning right now in my physics class so he like wrapped um like two wires Around opposite sides of an iron ring. And then he like he's what he's trying to do is he's trying to watch like um a transient current occurring from this uh wire that he connected to the battery. And then what you, so the basic idea is that uh the induction that occurs from the current occurs from the change in magnetic flux. Hmm. Um but anyway, the I guess what I'm trying to say is like. Um, you occur something physically right you you uh, do an experimentation obtain empirical data and find patterns i see michael faraday wasn't the best at math so he just kind of expressed the idea verbally and with like like the what do you call it, like the force of lines and et cetera. he just tried to visually represent his idea of the laws of nature yeah uh and then james Clerk maxwell came along and then he expressed the idea with the language of mathematics and he came up with Maxwell's equations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which shows the relationship relationship between electricity and magnetism. Um, So if you look at the history, obviously, you know, it requires some sort of observation requires an empirical data. Uh, you need to, well, first of all, not just f- find forget the, like, you know, you know, EMF has occurred because of the change in magnetic flux over change in time and all these complicated laws. You first have to understand what electricity and magnetism even are. So my question to you is, is it possible for this blind mathematician, genius blind mathematician to just intuitively come up with Maxwell's equations?
1: I see what you mean. Um, hmm
0: well do you want to like step it back a little and then just think about is it possible for that same blind, blind mathematician to come up with the laws of mathematics yeah yeah, yeah. uh so let's, let's look at like like the pythagorean theorem for example you know so you i think you can imagine a right triangle i think you can imagine the counting system and the algebra and the whatever. And there's like a zillion ways to prove the Pythagorean theorem. But I don't think there's anything stopping that blind mathematician from coming up with a square plus b squared equals c square, because you can imagine a right triangle. You can do some operations or whatnot to find the relationship between those three sides of a right triangle.
1: Right. You know, I think, um, i think how you have to think about this is is uh like the the purpose of this mathematician being blind is that they don't um have any sort of like like a good physical understanding of uh of of like shapes or okay so we had a small technical issue um but we're back again talking about the blind mathematician so in this circumstance um what i was going on to say is 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 that the the purpose of like this uh uh this situation with the blind mathematician is that the the mathematician doesn't have um a good physical understanding of like of like what is right you know it's it's hard for it's harder for them to imagine um you know like what a circle is, right because they've never seen a circle they've never seen any shape at all, even like a line or anything right uh-huh. And so so I think um, like a good way to to think about this um, this situation is like you, uh, even more than, under, than than imagining just a blind person just imagine um, uh, just like a person without senses you know, who is only able to use logic, right? Logic and reasoning and, and, you know, like still mentally just as capable, but without yeah. the physical... More capable. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, more capable, yeah. but without the physical understanding or experience that that the rest of us have, right? And so when we're talking about something like the Pythagorean theorem, yeah. I definitely agree with you that this person is fully capable of of of, under, of deriving... The Pythagorean theorem themselves, um, but their derivation is not tied to the geometrical meaning, so they're not thinking about an opposite side, an adjacent side, and a hypotenuse, right? And they're not thinking about the relationship between those three sides, they're thinking about the pure numbers, you know, they're thinking about well, three squared plus four squared equals five squared.
0: Well, but you can still come up with a right, you can still imagine a right triangle.
1: You can still no, imagine. No, 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 I, I, I know. But I th- I think what's even more fascinating and more valuable to think about is a person who can't, a person who doesn't understand what a triangle is, right? And a person who like a, a triangle would have no meaning to them, you know, even if they could understand it, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That person is still completely capable of Discovering that a squared plus b squared equals c squared.
0: Well, I think one can understand like three squared plus four squared equals five squared, but you don't know what they mean. You don't know how they, like, you don't know how those numbers are used in nature. Right. And that requires sure. imagination. That requires, sure.
1: yeah. I guess so. But like, if we're just talking about, you know, is it possible for, um, somebody you know without a physical grounding in things to um discover like mathematical laws you know i think the question is yes like even just a floating consciousness somewhere out there is still possible of finding these mathematical laws using just logic right Mm -hmm. now the purpose i guess of like what you what you just said where like um you know they're still capable of well, actually, I'm going to push back on the thought that they can imagine a triangle because I don't know if they can. But why? Why can't they? Because they've never seen a point, a line and anything. But they can imagine it. I mean, you can. No, you no, 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 no. Just, we can imagine it because we've seen it. it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see like, where you're coming from. Um, OK, try uh, look, try to imagine something that you haven't seen. Oh, uh, OK, no, I, I don't I don't mean like a pig with wings or whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, like try to imagine something that um, like in, 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 in like, like, I guess. Mm, how do I ask the question? Um, try to imagine something that you um, haven't seen before but is also not made up of anything that you've seen before.
0: (laughs) Hold on. How does, hold on. How does this question um, like go lead back to,
1: can that blind mathematician come
0: up with a right triangle or a circle?
1: Because, well, because, because this, this uh mathematician <clears throat> um and well okay i'm not i'm not saying blind um i'm saying like floating consciousness because a blind person could still like like we could still have that person uh like like feel right so they could oh, feel let's
0: let's let's get a let's get a little more cruel and just take away all of his five senses
1: yeah yeah, yeah exactly okay. so um for this person they uh-huh. they, they have no understanding of of anything around them right they only can use can use logic in their brain right yeah everything their whole life everything they experience is within their mind right yes um literally just like a brain in a vat (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. floating yeah yeah um this this person you know the only tools it has uh um uh, logic and reasoning you know which mm-hmm. you know arguably the same thing but whatever S- which 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 means you know like they themselves have to uh uh um they 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 have to like use only logic and reasoning to do whatever sort of mathematical deductions so they can't think of the sides of a triangle and and find the Pythagorean theorem. You know they can only use the numbers, right? I don't. Okay, well, okay. Why can't it's, you? Like, what's stopping that blind mathematician from just imagining a circle? Is okay. Here's an important caveat that I think might help explain things. So, like, like if we literally just had a brain in a vat, a floating consciousness with no senses. Mm-hmm. They, they, I don't think they'd be able to comprehend anything, right? Because nothing they they couldn't like, like, like there would be nothing within them to understand.
0: No, it's a thought experiment. So let's just just forget like little details. I mean, let's assume no, that this,
1: this is not a, this is not a little detail. Like, like if, <laughs> if, you, if you haven't experienced anything, you can't think about anything. You know, and so how do we experience things through our senses? So if somebody has no senses, they have no experiences. They have no thoughts. All right. How about this? Let's so, say okay. This- well, what? Well, on, okay. let me. <laughs> what I'm supposing in this circumstance is that this this brain in this vat has, um, we have like we have given it knowledge of, uh, of like this is what a one is. This is what two is. This is what three is. Okay, and these this is how these numbers relate to each other. You know, like a very basic sort of understanding of, of what uh, like math is and what logic is. Okay. Now we have not given them. This is what a circle looks like. And this is what a square looks like. This is a line. They strictly have numbers. Okay. From, from every single resource that they have, they cannot somehow create, Oh, that's a line now, you know, like, 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 you know, when I asked you try to make, uh, try to imagine something that doesn't exist and is not composed of anything that already exists. You can't, you just can't. So in this circumstance, this person cannot work with anything other than what they know as, as, um, as uh, as real as in like 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 numbers, right? They can uh, come up with with functions or modifiers like like saying integral because that's just a process that works with the numbers still. But they cannot can't come up with something like adjacent to numbers themselves, right? Do you agree or disagree?
0: So. We had a similar discussion like this on my philosophy class, where is it like, are these mathematical objects and ideas uh, sort of universal or does it require some uh, empirical uh, data and observation? Um, I, Devin, you have a point, Um, but I just still can't, it, like... God, I don't know why. Why can't you imagine a circle?
1: You don't know, like, like well, okay. Why could you? Well, what's stopping you? <laughs> everything, <laughs> literally everything.
0: <laughs> okay, well, okay. So the reason why I gave this blind mathematician thought experiment as an example, um, is because. I wanted to understand the difference between mathematical and physical laws. So my hypothesis or whatnot was like, you know, you can, you know, this blind mathematician can come up with mathematical laws because, you know, I assume that it's possible to think of these mathematical concepts and shapes and et cetera, but you can't do that for physical concepts. Like you can't just think of, like this someone was born blind to just think of uh mass, time, length, temperature and charge, you know? And you can't just randomly think of electricity and magnetism like that actually requires observation and empirical data, right? Hmm. So that was kind of my, kind of my thought experiment there and maybe that's what distinguishes math and physics, but now you're saying that even mathematical laws need some sort of empirical
1: observation. So I'm not sure. No, I think I think we're saying the same thing. Um I this this person like this this brain in this vat can still come to an understanding of mathematical laws, right? They can still know that a squared plus b squared equals c squared. What they can't know is that um that's the that that's the same as saying This side of this triangle of this right triangle plus this other side, or sorry, this side squared of this right triangle plus another side squared of this right triangle equals the longest side squared of that right triangle. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, do do you get the distinction here?
0: Yeah, I guess you're more. hmm. So my like original idea was. um, I can definitely understand where you're coming from, because. Um, like, like a perfect circle doesn't exist in the physical world, but we assume that it does in the mathematical world by looking at something that imitates the perfect circle in the real world.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, but I mean, would you agree that it's more like, it's easier to imagine mathematical objects such as a circle or a right triangle than like electricity or temperature you know, because they I mean definitely
1: require empirical data. You definitely yeah. need your five senses. Right. And but but okay, think about why it's harder to imagine those things. Um well we see shapes like circles, squares, whatever, all around us every day, like almost constantly. We don't see charge. No. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because we have limited experience with these things, they're harder for us to think about. They're harder for us to understand, you know? And um, how this relates to, like, like my point of view with this, this brain in the vat is, like, if you have no experience of anything, you know, it doesn't matter if you're talking about... um, It doesn't matter if you're talking about a circle or charge. No experience means it's impossible and, you know impossible impossible means impossible you know whether it's it's very impossible or just slightly impossible <laughs> you know
2: uh.
0: hmm wow that's very tricky um
1: i think it, i think it is important to note that um well, okay. So is your is your sort of your 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 uh uh, uh your reasoning for for asking this these questions is like can we um uh, get to an understanding of can we get to a, a, a like can we derive a new um physical law without empirical um, yes. evidence right yes. yes yeah yeah um and so like my answer would uh be no right considering the my answer to the brain in the vat yeah you know if you don't have experience with something you can't hypothesize about it you know
0: yeah well I think we should be careful with the word experience because I mean it's not like we have experience with like quantum mechanics um I guess it's more of like we start off with a set of axioms or we we assume that it like exists you know we assume that these quantum particles exist and um well the question comes down to like that can that blind mathematician like
1: is is he even aware of that existence in the first place See, I, I think, yeah, you know, this is what I was sorting, sort of like trying to get at, um, like, like, any, any, um, hypothesis or axiom that we said or whatever, that uh, is from our like best judgment of what we've seen so far, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, which, which means, like any sort of any hypothesizing that we do is tied to our experience in the real world, you know, and us, you know, as capable like scientists and researchers and whatever, we've all had experience in the world. We can all observe the world in whichever way um, we want that, you know, that we're capable of, Um, which means, you know, we have, so we have, the tools the resources to uh um to begin to think about these sort of things right
2: mm.
1: um and uh, whereas this brain and this fat doesn't have tools doesn't have the resources you know it's not it's not it's like for them it's not just abstract in in, in the sense that like like you know like how it is for for us in theoretical physics where like stuff that we can't really see and haven't seen yet um, because that stuff is like, like, well, we've seen other stuff, you know,
2: mm-hmm. we know
1: like the sorts of things that exist, right. Okay. The person in, in this, in this vat doesn't know the sorts of things that exist, you know? Okay. Right. That's so, quite- so <clears throat> That means you know they they can't really begin, whereas you know like we you know what mass is, right we know distance and whatever and 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 so you know we can hypothesize about um some sort of particle, you know and um does it have mass or not does it uh you know how how does it travel, how does it interact with other stuff that we know to exist, you mm. know what i mean mm. we're 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 filling in gaps right whereas the person in the in the vat is trying to construct you know something from nothing
0: Hmm. well okay well okay so let's look at these different physical like ideas i mean such as mass length time and etc well i mean i agree with your point on you know, we can't just intuitively think of mass and temperature and et cetera. But if we can think of lines, for example, lines of different length, doesn't that imply that there's this thing called a length, you know? Yeah. That's one of the fundamental physical quantities. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, I mean, would you agree that it's just possible to, like, if someone can think of lines, you know, lines of different lengths. Yeah. Is it possible to, for that person to think of this concept called a uh, length?
1: Yeah, but the person in the vet can't think of lines. So, what can he think of? Well, yeah, that the, see that that's why I clarified it in the beginning. I was like, we're giving him numbers. Okay, we're giving him, um, we're giving him, you know, like the this is one and and this is two and two is twice the value of one. Right. And and three is one more than, than two. Right.
0: We're yeah. giving,
1: we're giving them that, What we're not giving them is shapes or, or, you know, like this is what a length is, you know? So because I don't
0: even, have, I don't even think you need to give them
1: numbers. Like, no, they, you, 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 you absolutely have to. Because other otherwise, what can they think about? If they if they have nothing around them like to perceive, what what can they think about? Every single thought that you have is tied to what you've experienced, you know, in some form in some form or another. Like you can't separate it.
0: We don't have to think about this.
1: Uh. I think that means you agree. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, whatever. <laughs> uh. Okay, well, let's go back to constants. Um, if okay, I'm gonna give like a little more um, like assumptions uh, to this blind, same, same thought experiment. You know, let's let's say we give them this give him this program of being able to understand the concept of shapes and numbers. OK. Mm-hmm. He can think of so then he knows what a circle is Um, and he's an extremely intelligent person. So. He can think of all the mathematical tools and calculations in his head um, so he can think of like um, pi, you know. You can understand the ratio between the circumference of a circle and its diameter, if he knows what a circle is. So he can derive those mathematical constants alone. Or let's look at E, for example, you know, it's like the like a maximum compound interest. You can think of like the fractions and the exponents and you can think of those stuff. Um, so it's I think it's possible or square root of two, you know, you can think of an isosceles right triangle, find the ratio between its hypotenuse and its adjacent side you know, one over square root of two. Okay, great. Uh, My question to you is, if he can derive mathematical constants in his head, can he derive physical constants in his head? No, but here's a problem. This goes back to, again, the difference between mathematical and physical constants. We define those units. So you can't think of, you can't come up with an exact number Does that make sense? It's not like if you have a physical constant, you can just think of like 3.1415, like pi, because pi is unitless. Right. It's a mathematical constant. Right. Even if some some genius way he were to think of uh, the permittivity of free space, he can't express that in terms of numbers, because those numbers must compose must be composed of uh, digits. Right.
1: Or excuse me, units. Well, if we give him shapes and like geometry and stuff like that, um, thinking about like spaces, right? Uh-huh. Then he now has access to the concept of length, right? Yeah, and you know, length is pretty much distance. Yeah, right. Um, and is it is it a stretch to say that? they can't think about speed.
0: Well, speed is okay. So not, not only do you have to
1: think of length, but you have to think of time. Yeah. And that's, but time, 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 like can just, can also just be thought of as like a a rate of progression. Right.
0: Hmm. See, I, I mean, I think that person can experience time, of course, but it's not possible. I don't know if it's possible to come up with the concept of time, but I, I mean, I guess we can't either, unless you're Einstein.
1: Um, why not? No, I think I think that the they have full access to the concept of like, like changing like things changing, yeah, and this goes back to the thing that you've mentioned like
0: we see things change all the time oh so then how do we explain that change oh time time allows these changes to uh appear in nature
1: but yeah. he can't experience those changes well he experiences change doesn't he like he he he, he experiences um like oh i have this thought I had that thought then, and now I have this thought now. My thoughts have changed, right? Hmm.
0: So you're saying it doesn't necessarily require some sort of observation, but just because... Well, it is, that is op- an
1: observation. That okay. is it okay. has the ability to obs- to observe a change, which means okay. it has access to the concept of change. Okay. Huh. Okay, interesting.
0: Okay, well, yeah, well, let's go back to, like, the physical constants thing. I sure. think you would... Yeah, sure. Were you going to say anything? um
1: yeah um i need to think about this i think i think i think uh because like he now he 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 knows uh like length and distance uh time um if he knows geometry he knows volume Mm-hmm. Um and therefore, density and mass mm-hmm. um I think that this person I'm gonna give an answer that might be illogical. I think this person has access to some physical laws, okay, like what um like, well, hmm. would you consider volume, like the relationship between volume, de- volume density, and mass, as a physical law or a mathematical law?
0: I think, well, when you when you introduce mass and density, I mean, it's physical, isn't it?
1: Hmm. Hmm. So then, would this <clears throat> would this person have? access to what density is and what mass is or no
0: Mm. this thought experiment definitely requires like more i i don't know i didn't think it was going to be this complicated but (laughs)
2: um
1: okay so like like given okay let's just say you're you're a person Who knows what volume is okay (laughs) like like you know like uh for a for a rectangular prism length times width times height is the volume yeah okay so and length width and height are just you know different ways of saying distance yeah um from that can you start to think about anything related to the makeup of the, you know, whatever shape you're trying to find the volume of as in like how much stuff is in it or how packed that stuff is.
0: Hmm. Well, that's definitely a physical concept, isn't it?
1: Is it not? Well, it is, but it can't, can it also be mathematical? Like, like,
2: Oh a great if you point. just
1: if you just have the concept of length um and you know that volume is um length cubed, mm-hmm. can you can you talk can you think about uh can you think about oh no you can't Yeah you can't, can you? You, you know, yeah, if you just if you just know what length is, I mean, mass like mass is foreign, density is foreign. And even though they're related to volume. They're not related. Uh, uh, um, to anything that you know about. Oh, wait, no, but you no, no, they're they're they're. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I I don't think you can know what (laughs) mass is or density is. I think you're right. Um, Because you don't have experience with mass or density. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I was having this imagination of like, what if the theory of everything? is a purely mathematical okay, a purely mathematical equation, and from that the laws of physics are derived. So somehow this genius mathematician can only think of mathematical things and that he comes up with theory of everything and that within that theory, it contains physical, uh, con or physical concepts such as temperature, mass, length, and time.
1: Mm, and yeah, it's yeah. able to
0: derive like Maxwell's equations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think um, so like, wow, this is great because like this volume example I think uh, is very applicable to like this larger scale theory of everything. So like, if the person knows mathematical concepts such as um, uh, length, right, or in in lines and and distances, shapes, whatever they can find what volume is, right? But as we said just now, they don't know what mass or what density is, right? Because that's a purely physical thing of which they have no knowledge, which means if they had the right, if they had the mathematical tools and, and, and knowledge, right, uh, of the mathematical concepts, they could do, They could come to a theory of everything, an equation that dis- that is possible uh, or that 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 uh, can be used to explain everything, right? But they can't use it to explain everything because they have no knowledge of the everything that we're talking about right here. Like everything is is the physical world. Mm-hmm. They, this this equation to them is purely mathematical, um, and you know the the side of uh, uh um the the physical side is you know, like they can't begin to, uh, uh, um, to think about that. So like, think about the, um, equation for, um, yeah, think, think about the equation for, um, volume mathematically and then physically. So like, like, uh, uh, volume mathematically is, um, length times uh width times height right yeah um but volume um volume physically is mass over density um yes
0: but the thing is like
1: um i'm sure i mean go ahead so like like think on the left, we have the mathematical side, Yeah, uh, length times width times height equals uh, a V or volume in the middle, which also equals on the right um, <clears throat> mass over density, right? So this mathematician has access to only the left side of the equation or the left in the middle of the equation, right? But they don't have access to that right part where, you know, the mass over density part. And the same can be said for the for that theory of everything they have access to the mathematical um representation of the theory of everything, but not the physical representation
0: that's a very interesting thought experiment um well, but if you think it like if you think of what density is you know i mean I think this is something that I've mentioned on episode sixty two f equals m a like wasn't density defined. <laughs> It's just trying to show the relationship between mass and volume,
1: right? That's true. Mm, that's true, but but um but I think because it its function is to like show the relationship between two physical uh uh you know, like, like things, like concepts. Um, It, it exists in the same sense that they exist. (laughs) You know, like we, we also defined what mass is and what volume is, you know, it was just a little bit more intuitive. And so we didn't need to, you know, draw, draw a, use an equation between two other things that we knew, right. We could just say, Oh, that's what that is. And, so what this other thing is you know what i mean hmm. so it's all sort of like a little bit arbitrary i see
0: hmm. this is a very interesting thought experiment yeah um you know like i mean okay that's again like the reason why i came up with this thought, ex- thought experiment is because i wanted to understand the difference between mathematical and physical laws and now you're saying that either way you need some sort of empirical data that makes me think that understanding reality not only requires logic and intelligence but also requires your senses observation experience yes yeah yeah
1: hmm well and i think that that's in part because of 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 Like, like you could, I think you can still say, um, um, understanding requires intelligence without having to clarify, um, you also need experience because I think intelligence and experience are related. Oh, right. So, um, like, um, well, I think, I think, Intelligence sort of incorporates. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, no. Intell- intelligence requires knowledge, like experience. Right. Okay. Because because because. Uh, how can you think about. Something that you have. Like no knowledge, not just like no knowledge of the thing, but no knowledge of anything related to the thing. I see what you mean. Yeah. Mm. So so yeah, you can still say understanding requires intelligence without having to clarify intelligence. Um it also requires experience, right? <clears throat> mm. Okay.
0: So let's go back to physical constants and think of if there is hypothetically a mathematical way to derive physical constants, you know? Um, you know how I mentioned that physical physical constants, you shouldn't focus on the numbers because of the units that we defined as. What if there's a way to um, make all physical constants dimensionless like what's the relationship between mass length time temperature charge and so on Mm
1: -hmm. well okay so so manipulate the constants to a new understanding of them without units yeah but
0: thinking about it now i don't know if it's more beneficial to write physical constants without units because like dimensional analysis i think it's very important to yeah understand like the dimensions of those units but well, I guess my question is more fundamentally focused on like, what's the relationship between these different physical quantities like is because I mean, let's let's look at like e equals MC square, you know. That tells you the relationship between mass and energy, uh-huh. right? So I guess what I'm suggesting is what if there's a way to find the relationship between all these physical units, physical
1: concepts? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, that would s- sort of like would that imply a theory of everything? I don't know. Everything is everything is connected now. Like if we can, if we can get everything unitless, then everything must be connected in a way to which like we can cancel all the units, right? Yeah, I mean, hmm. Okay, yeah. So if that is true, you know, the theory of everything must exist. But we already know the theory of everything to be a paradox or at least somewhat paradoxical to think about. I mean I think I think that's the uh that's the um I don't know the result of that thought Luke it's that it's that if uh everything <clears throat> if everything is related to um everything else then there is a theory of everything yeah hmm
0: yeah um yeah it's, well let's go back to like equals mc squared or I mean let's look at like you know the relationship between um space and time you know Einstein said that space and time are actually under the same uh fab fabric of space-time and then that mass and energy causes this curvature in space-time you know Mm -hmm. they're all physical uh concepts that are related to mass length and time so do you think that implies like some sort of a hint that these physical quantities are actually all related?
1: I think it's promising. I don't think it implies necessarily uh like a certainty that these that these are related. Um because I mean if we can relate like volume and mass with each other by like using density or whatever Um you know like how is that different I guess than, than relating energy and mass to each other and I guess speed too hmm. you know like it's all just like every addition every one of those additions is just one new relationship you know it, it's not necessarily saying that Oh well there has to be relationships between everything now because we found a new one you know right i mean it 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 certainly like makes that claim more um you know worth looking into more promising but um you know it doesn't it doesn't prove it
0: hmm i see what you mean i think Going back to physical constants, constants, they're very special in a way that, um, how do I, how do I say this? So you know, like, um, so I've always been obsessed with like what's real in physics, what's fundamental in physics, you know, and we've came to a conclusion that it's not the numbers that those constants are made out of, um. So like for example, you know, Newton's inverse square law, right? G times big G times M1 times M2 divided by R square, you know? Mm-hmm. We shouldn't focus on the numbers that G the big G is composed of, but um like With you that, can, G you is can there. Yeah, or you can manipulate the definitions of those units and just make and just say that f equals m1 times m2 divided by r square right we can just make g1 right. Right? right yeah or instead of it saying e equals mc square you can just say um or you can just make c equal to 1 yeah you know you can say like for example um you know like let one lunch logic <laughs> equals how much light travels in one second therefore the speed of light is one lunch logic per second yeah yeah so we shouldn't you know focus on the numbers so i think like the fundamentalness in physics is in the ratio so for example kepler's third law states that uh, the square of the orbital period of a planet is proportional to the cube of the semi-major axis of its orbit so It doesn't tell you the constant but it tells you that it's proportional right right e square is proportional to alpha cubed um so i think that's what quote unquote matters and what's actually truly fundamental in physics
1: yeah i agree 100 percent. i
0: see it's very interesting um yeah i mean this is like the the difference between math and physics It's that when you try to measure these physical quantities, you need some sort of
1: units and that they affect affect our constants. Right. Yeah. Um, it is interesting a little bit though. Like, like when mathematics involves like geometry, we use the same sort of arbitration, like, like, um, like some, like I, I remember, um, like doing volume like learning volume and you'd have to write like units cubed, you know, like you literally just say units, <laughs> right. Which is no different than us just saying meters cubed, you know, yeah. just a unit. Right. True. Definitely.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. So going back to, uh, the essence of constants. You know, I wonder if constants are actually constant.
2: Hmm.
1: I mean, they are called constants. <laughs> I'd assume that would be for a reason.
0: Uh, but um, let's look at mathematical constants. We don't think that mathematical constants, constants change over time. Pi will always be pi. E will always be E, right? Right, right. Um, but physical constants. So there's a, there's a hypothesis called like, um, um, uh, I, I think it's called a variable speed of light. It's like saying speed of light changes based on, uh, like the like space and time, right? Space or time, right. Or, or it depends on the frequency. Um, and I think that's very interesting because if you look at, like the speed of light, you know, and you derive it using Maxwell's equations, it's one. So speed of light is equal to one over square root of mu naught times epsilon, not permittivity and permeability of free space. Um. So if those constants change over time or space, then that means speed of light also changes. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if that's even possible because. Well, I mean, epsilon and mu not are constants themselves, right? And and they're uh they're experimentally derived, right? Like sure. you have to experimentally derive what those what epsilon not and mu not are.
1: Yeah. Um, but like, in what that. circumstance would that ever change? Would epsilon not or mu not ever change? Well, I think it's certainly imaginable right i
0: mean is it like let me ask you this like is it can you imagine pi changing over time no no right pi, circle there's always there's always just one circle and it's never changing yeah but i think it's certainly imaginable to assume that those physical constants change over space and time um yeah it's
1: an ima- it's it's imaginable to like to think that like those constants change and that like the speed of light is just like a tiny bit less than what it is. Right, in the new world. But that might be again because of because we don't
0: understand the inner mechanisms of the universe, and this right. is something that I mentioned in the beginning. Where if the speed of light isn't exactly whatever that is, you know, a paradox occurs. Right, and you know we can't understand it on its surface level, but if you understand the true mechanisms of the universe, you understand that there's a very very logical line of reasoning behind the exact number within those constants.
1: Right. Hmm. No. Hmm. I wonder if we are able to, um, just imagine things being slightly different, or even like drastically different, simply because they're physical constants, and because like we know that our physical observations are many times flawed, whereas our mathematical observations must be correct, you know? Yeah. And if that is leading us down the path of not thinking about constants as necessarily constants, um, incorrectly. Mm -hmm. So now that we have this, this hesitancy, when it comes to physical, anything physical to, um, claim it's like absolute existence, um, we now like have to question whether our constants are actually constant, even though, you know, they probably actually are. Mm. But, you know, I guess we can never say.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, this isn't like a random hypothesis, like, you know, famous theoretical physicist Paul Dirac, for example, actually speculated that these physical constants might change over time and proportional to the age of the universe. Um But I wonder if, like, the effect that this will have on the system of physics, right? Um, Like, if, for example, you know, our understanding of these constants change over time, uh, that means, like, uh, like, the base units, the SI base units will change over time as well, right? I mean, except, like, Uh, Because because like the all the SI base units are actually defined in terms of fundamental physical constants. Mm. So like, for example, a meter is like how much light light travels and one over like three times 10 to the approximately three times 10 to the uh, second. Uh, You get what I mean? So with the exception of the kilogram, which actually has like, uh, you know what I'm talking about? It's not defined in terms of constants, but there's actually like a, a thing in Paris, I believe. Yeah, that defines what a kilogram is. So I wonder if those constants change over time, like what kind of impact this will have on the physics community or not just physics community all around the world. Right. Um,
1: Well, I mean, the change is it can't be significant, right? And it can't be rapid, right? It it may be. Well, I'm just saying like, but if even if it was less significant I mean we have to look at the big picture no well what I'm saying is 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 like like okay first of all I'm just thinking about like this hypothesis is like these things are related to the age of the universe and um you know given that you know the entire time that humans have been around things haven't really changed that much you know if at all um so um you know even if things are changing. It's probably slow enough and small enough to where. uh, You know, it just re- required like little adjustments every now and then. And mm. then. Hmm. But. It does, you know. Shake shake things up when it comes to like units, but you know, after we sort of understand that things are changing, you know, it's not like a huge deal to deal with the change
0: i see well scientists definitely need to make some adjustments because like for example we have a calendar that changes every 365 days right but yeah. we understand that the earth doesn't rotate or it's it's um period isn't exactly 365 days so we right. have like uh like a leap day you know right. to compensate for that change Right, we need something like that for SI units.
1: Exactly. Yeah, but you know, that's no problem. You know, you just like like February. You know, you just <laughs> <laughs> just slap a few more things. or you, or you get rid of a few things? Or... Wait, what? You add days to February, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you just slap a few more days on a February, and or. You know, and (laughs) you just like add a few more meters per second on the sea and you're good.
0: Mm. Very interesting. Um, Let's go back to the question of whether it's even possible for those constants to change over. You know, this is very related to like, is it possible for the laws of nature to change based on where you are or when you are? Right. And this is all related, like the laws of nature and constants. Um. Um.
1: Well, yes and no. I think. I think, constants is a is a little bit. It's different, you know, like like. Constants are um. Con constants like or okay laws. You know they 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 state the relationships between different things. You know. Constants just like help you get the exact relationship, right?
0: Mm hmm. You know, right. You're like kind of um, like again, the fundamentalness isn't the ratio, but you're engineering the exact value using exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, laws changing would be, um, yeah, no, actually, laws changing would be like paradoxical. You know, like like that, that means that the universe, um, you know, doesn't follow, uh, you know, what a strict set of rules like we think it does, unless the changing of those laws abides by a different law. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Now, if that if that is not true, um, then it's essentially the same as being random, right? and now we have a universe with no laws right hmm or do we cuz i i like 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 okay let's say right now we have um we have laws or okay uh let's say we have one theory of everything one fundamental law okay and this this fundamental theory of everything will last 50 years and then in 50 years um it won't describe the universe anymore we need a new theory of everything to describe the universe Mm -hmm. um in that but in those 50 years we still had a law right that worked you know so things weren't random right um but then after the change, after, after, um, after the 50 years, the law changed. And let's say the change was, uh, it didn't abide by a different, more fundamental law. Like, let's just say it was like, just like things just got really fucked up for no reason. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, we have this new law that, you know, still (laughs) functions like a like a theory of everything you know like it still explains everything that goes on but as a whole we can't say that the universe forever and always um, is lawful because it changes not according to a law and at the same time we can say that a instant you know or a time period Is lawful because it abides by a single law but not the entire existence of the universe Hmm. so um getting back to like like changing laws versus changing constants you know changing constants um not necessarily paradoxical whereas changing laws are fundamentally paradoxical right unless unless the laws change according to a different law Mm. i see what you mean yeah okay but well okay what were you what were you gonna say i mean or because you you initially had the thought that you know it's the same changing laws the same as changing constants right right i mean like if the laws of the universe
0: Yeah, I would say they're definitely related. How? Well, for example, let's say the law of universal gravitation is no longer GM, or it's not proportional, force isn't proportional to M1 times M2 over R squared. You know, it changes. Let's say it's R squared plus some number or whatnot. Um, Then that big G has to change based on
1: the change of the law itself. Yeah, sure. I mean, big G like, isn't even really like applicable in this new case. Right. Like if it's R squared plus something else, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, I mean, it's a new constant. uh, Or it could be a new constant. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, that constant is not like big G in really any sense, you know,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but I, I get, I get, I get what you mean. Like, like, like if you change the physical law, the constants have to change as well. You mm-hmm. know, whatever constants are present have to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree with that. But changing a physical law implies that, you know, there are no laws to begin with mm-hmm. unless there is a law that describes the changing of physical laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this question is just so much
0: easier if there were to be a fundamental unit. Um, You know, I wish like some, I mean, I wish there was like a religious text where like the first like passage is just uh, like the definition of one meter and one second, and et cetera. But, you know, I guess we have to define these units. And one thing that I found really strange was, or not strange, like if you look at, you know, Gauss's law, right? Uh okay. the electric flux is equal to charge enclosed divided by epsilon naught. Um wouldn't it be so much easier if it was just charge enclosed? Meaning wouldn't it be so much easier if 1 over epsilon naught was just equal to 1? Yeah. Epsilon naught was equal to 1. Right. You know? Yeah. So I don't know if this I think this might exist. I think it's called I forget uh but I think this might actually exist um but I guess what I'm trying to say is instead of putting these unnecessary constants just make epsilon not equal to 1 just make big g equal to 1 you yeah so we can define the yeah. relationship between these variables so for example uh epsilon not so permittivity permittivity of free space right we're setting that equal to 1 and that and it's um dimension is uh, farads per meter, so now we're defining farad one farad equal to one meter. Does that make sense? yeah, or you know what you get what I mean like we're setting the definitions for these meters
1: to make the laws of nature more elegant and more simple well yeah i i i I agree that that would do the job and that you know that's possible, and that's you know one route that we could take, but what that means is like um in a sense everything becomes even more arbitrary for us. And I mean that isn't like um everything becomes four now because now what um our our standard unit for length or, or distance or whatever is some weird fucking thing that makes everything else one, you know, and mm-hmm. or, or okay. Or maybe maybe well, we have to choose like like, let's let's say, you know, we keep the meter the same and then we redefine everything else to be um, one in terms of the meter. Then, you know. Everything else is going to be some really weird thing that us that that, you know, everyday people can't really like like it's just it's weird. You know, we have just one thing that is that, uh you know, sort of intuitive and then everything else is just like, well, what the hell is that? Mm. You know? So, I think the trade-off here is that like yes, the math is more elegant, but it's harder to understand hmm. yeah. because because the numbers that were or, or the the units that we're using aren't as applicable to um everyday life <clears throat> I mean, isn't that the purpose of like SI units? yeah, yeah, exactly like like th- those units are easily comprehend, comprehensible, you know, because like, like we, uh, uh, you know, a meter is something that, you know, you can like, uh, um, I guess measure pretty easily. Whereas it is like, like if we, if we try to get everything to one in terms of, um, in terms of like I mean, I don't know. It could be any some some other weird thing where the meter would turn into like what is equivalent to, or or our our standard unit for distance is equivalent to like ten thousand kilometers. You know, then you're just like, well, what the hell? Mm. (laughs) You know, like that's harder to understand. No, I see what you mean. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I mean, right. I mean, it's not just for scientific purposes, but it has some sort of practical uses yeah and our under and it gives us an intuition of understanding these natural phenomena and by engineering these constants we kind of lose that sort of intuition yeah interesting okay uh i feel like we should do a separate episode on the relationship between math and physics because and again like the blind mathematician thought experiment Mm -hmm. because i think i have to think a lot more uh but one thing that i do want to mention is uh are mathematical laws affected by physical laws, or vice versa? Because a few days ago, I was re, uh, re-listening to uh, episode sixty-three, "Mystery of Existence," and Jason was talking about like is like is the Pythagorean theorem true because of the physics of atoms, or because of the mathematical properties of a right triangle? And that makes me remind, like, that makes me think, like, would mathematics change if the laws of physics ruling the world were different?
1: I don't, I don't see that argument, to be honest. Um, I mean, if you see it, explain it, but like, just in my, in my eyes, um, yeah, uh, the Pythagorean theorem exists, you know, mathematically before it does and separately than it does physically
0: yeah that's that's what i think too um because i mean you don't need to understand the physics of well it's not about understanding the physics of atoms it's more of like the physics of atoms causes right triangles to look in a certain way and because it that causes the right triangles to look in a certain way we find pattern that was caused by the physics of atoms but i do think it's more rational to think that it's not necessarily related to the physics of it but because of the mathematical property itself of a right triangle right but i think it's an
1: interesting question it is but 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 i mean i no i think it is a really good question i just i'm much much more inclined to like go with one answer than the other you know mm-hmm. yeah i guess that is what makes it a good question though